Welcome back to Consuming the Craft Podcast. With me today is Palmer Fox from Climate Hound. Now, you emailed me this morning, said, hey, let's talk. And I said, all right, let's do this. What's Climate Hound? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get right after it. Okay, just dive right in. Yeah, why the heck not? Uh, So Climate Hound is the first science-backed global certification for carbon-neutral food and beverage businesses. You're going to have to break that down for my listeners. Actually, not for my listeners, for me. Okay, cool. Uh, There's a lot. Science-based. Science-backed. Science-backed. Certification. Certification. For carbon-neutral businesses. But we are specifically focused in on beverage producers, bars, and restaurants, um, along with packaged food products. Excellent. So where'd you come up with this idea? I don't want people to try to steal it because you're going to be the first anyway. But what? where's your passion lie? Where did you study? How did you come up with this idea? That's a lot to unpack right there. Yeah. But I have a thousand questions and I don't know where to start. So <laughs> so environmental, where where did you start? Where did, where did you go? So I studied at NC State. Okay, I'll talk I, slower. You'll get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I kid. Well, I'll take you from NC State into Asheville and then up to Climate Hound. How about that? Yeah, I love it. So I originally, uh, I have a degree in environmental design and architecture. Oh, wow. I was going down that path. And I've always been an entrepreneur from a young age. I've always been building businesses and just, you know, I like to put things together. I like to talk to people. Yeah. And so I kind of started realizing that I was headed to a drafting board for a very long time. Sitting in front of one of those for 20 years, bud. Yeah. A little bit of a... Oh, you did? No, 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 CAD. I mean, uh, you would yeah, be... No, it, I was on my path, yeah, to 10 yeah, or 20 years. In front of a computer, mm-hmm. pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And so that really kind of started giving me a an early life crisis, I suppose. <laughs> and I found myself up in Asheville. I was doing a little bit of soul searching. I told myself I'd be here for one year, and that turned into seven years. Oh, that checks out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I fell into uh, craft cocktails okay. in about 2012. Okay. And I essentially learned how to make like, you know, prohibition era craft cocktails, fell into beverage direction over at the Bull and Beggar down yeah. in the River Arts District. Yeah. I was there for seven years. And along the way, I was kind of, uh, well, first off, did you catch that? I came to Asheville for one year. <laughs> Maybe I already said that. <laughs> you, you, seven you years. And, and I was like, you were here for seven. I was like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, that, I, I, I've taught, this is a story that... You know, people come up here to the mountains and they absolutely fall in love with it. Yeah. And uh, I I get it. I've been here now eight or nine. Taught myself to backpack and did a lot of camping and, you know, spent a lot of time out in the woods and, and again, was just kind of, you know, reevaluating things and along the way, looking for what I was going to do next, you know, wanted to build something. Right. And I saw an opportunity because I was placing all these orders tracking inventory. It was taking me hours every week. And so that led me to an application and we were helping people basically calculate, you know, manage their inventory and communicate with their suppliers. Uh, That was called Bottle Hound. Hmm. And we took a three hour weekly process down to 12 minutes. Wow. And that was working really well. It yeah, was, it, it was coming along. Labor you know? costs. We done. had about 20% of Asheville uh, using the product. That was sort of our pilot market with our minimum viable sure. application. And uh, that was happening. But then, you know, everything changed in the world. Bars and restaurants shut down. They did. It kind of sent us into a, a moment of reevaluating our priorities. And that sort of, you know, basically like we sort of all circled back to the fact that my entire team has our roots in environmental action. Hmm. And we've all been involved in our personal and professional lives. But we saw this opportunity last year to essentially take that passion for environmental action and our experience and, you know, 
domain understanding of beverages and restaurants and package those two things together so that now we can essentially help uh, food and beverage businesses with their carbon footprint accounting. Nice. You said bottle hound. Mm-hmm. Now it's Climate Hound? Now it's Climate Hound. How many dogs do you have? <laughs> I have one dog and <laughs> okay. he's a hound. Well, yeah, yeah. it checks out. He's actually. a mutt. Well, he's, he's a perfect he's little mutt. Hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So food and beverage. So you're talking hotels, restaurants, any beverage manufacturer, producer, uh, anyone really that's selling beverages. Uh, maybe convenience stores. I mean, it's a pretty wide swath at this point that it probably is pretty applicable it for is, what you're talking and about. And it could be. And we see all of that. But right now, what we're really zeroed in on is beverage producers, bars, restaurants, and packaged food. That, that's still a lot. It is. It that is, is a lot. That's, a lot that, of the beverage producers have a bar or a restaurant anyways. 100%. You know? So if you're going to really go carbon neutral, you've got to be calculating the impact of a kitchen if it's on site. Yep. And so those three things make a lot of sense, but we're also creating essentially an ecosystem because the beverage producers are all looking for shelf space in those places too. And so we're creating a community as well as helping people manage their impact. So say we're a brewery because we're the Craft Beverage Institute of the Southeast. We have a, a, a brewery, distillery, winery, and, and I'll show you that stuff in a little bit, but awesome. uh, how do you help us? What, what, where do we, is it an audit? Is it, uh, you know, you, your team comes in uh, and says, this is how we can do things better? Is it uh, that kind of uh, a service? Essentially, okay. yeah. So we are in phase one right now. As I mentioned to you before we hopped on here, we are announcing the business um, well, I when, guess now, when this comes now out, dating your podcast. Yeah, no, but no, no. But it, when we, this comes out, we will be. This is a bit. Yeah, this is a a, a kind of a small a coming out party. We'll say exactly. <laughs> Very tiny, yeah, yeah, yeah. minuscule. The seven people that listen to. Uh, I, I joke, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's timing. You came in at the same time that you're you're actually releasing this potential opportunity for a bunch of businesses. Exactly. I mean, just in Asheville, there's over 800 restaurants. Yeah. I mean, there's 46 craft breweries, nine hard cideries with within 25 miles of this place, uh, a bunch of wineries, a bunch of uh, somebody making sake, somebody making uh, uh, non-alcoholic ginger beer and, and alcoholic ginger beer. And, and, you know, you have all these, you know, very creative people making all these amazing things. Um, what you working from the cocktail side of things, maybe behind the bar, inventory control, you know, what, uh, what can we do better? Like, where do you start? Well, you know, this could be very intimidating. You're coming in and saying, hey, your carbon footprint is huge. What are some of the little things that people can do right away just to help that? I think we should reel it back to okay. your first question Okay. of what do we do right now? How do we help you get going? Yeah. Because I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that this is really time consumptive, you know, very it, it, yeah. expensive. No, it's no, like, no, no. You know, as a business owner, you're you're building your own process and you have a lot going on. You right? have a lot of systems in place. Exactly. You know, you've got to train your staff and your people. They have families. I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, there's a lot of responsibility as a, as a business owner, just, you know, to, and your employee, there's a responsibility as an employee. So, and so the, so the fear I think comes in where, because people think, oh, well, if I was going to go carbon neutral, I have to change everything. And right it's going to cost a lot of and money. It's going to cost a lot. That's, let's be honest. It, if it does, it cost more money. In the long run, no, right? A lot of what we do is we're looking at, uh, you know, we're analyzing your energy consumption. We're looking at where are you pulling supplies from. And so we're, we're really, a lot of what we're digging into is the upstream and downstream efficiency. And with efficiency of energy and products, a lot of times there are cost savings, not always. There's typically going to be an upfront cost, um, but 
But you know what? We're getting back towards phase two. So let's talk about phase <laughs> one and where we're at right now. I like the future. <laughs> <laughs> so these, these business owners, right? You think you have to change everything. And for the ones that have looked into carbon neutrality and how to be certified carbon neutral, it can take up to about 300 hours and $15,000 just to get started, just to have a baseline understanding of what your impact is. Mm-hmm. And the way this is done, the industry standard is that you calculate your previous year's impact so that there's never any guesswork work. So you look at right now with our clients, we calculate their 2021 business practices. So we would look at how many square feet of space they're using. You know, we look at your electric bills, we count your employees, and we think about the commute time that they're spending on the road to get to work. We look at supply purchases. Essentially, it comes down to about 30 to 50 questions, depending on the beverage type or, Mm -hmm. you know, industry. And then with that understanding, we're able to zero in on what your impact is. And so, again, it can be very time consumptive and expensive and a bit daunting if you go it alone. But what we've done- You're not, you're not, yeah, you're doing that We've packaged this all together. Yes. And so, in about four to eight hours of a business owner's time, they can calculate- the, um, the data that we need and they can turn it over to us. We'll spend a couple of weeks analyzing it and breaking down on a line by line basis. This is where you're doing business. This is the environmental impact associated with that. And then we give you currently about a two to three page analysis where you can understand your scope one, scope two and scope three emissions. Um, and so that's everything from distributing your product to the energy you consume to the raw products and the downstream impact of selling that product. Um, And so what we're helping people see currently is, you know, everything that they're doing, but then that draws to light where your biggest opportunities are. The biggest sinks. Right. Where where you're, where you're spending, we'll say the most carbon, carbon footprint. Exactly. And target those things right away then, right? Exactly. And try to reduce them. Or you can start with some of the small stuff, you know, I mean, either way, but what we're doing is giving people transparency and things to act on. Sure. You know? And so what we can do right now is we can do that analysis for you. We can serve you a proposal and that proposal will basically tell you what your impact was last year. And in order to go carbon neutral for essentially one year from certification, you would offset last year's impact and you do that through carbon offsets. Yes. So one thing to understand about the food and beverage industry is you cannot be carbon lists. No. You can reduce your impact. There's a lot of opportunities to do better. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a carbon neutral food and beverage business, you do have to invest in carbon negative or really fund carbon negative strategies. And so that would mean carbon offsets. And carbon yeah. offsets are essentially, you probably, you may, may know this, but for anybody listening, it's a certificate that validates the offsetting of one metric ton of greenhouse gases by a business that is carbon negative. And so that might be a solar farm or a wind, wind farm. farm, something like yeah, that. Exactly. Hydro, hydro, yeah. So there is a way to reduce that. So they get their audit done in 2021. Now we're working through 2022. Mm-hmm. And if they see that number drop, that would be the certification. The certification happens when you after you've done the audit have filled your proposal, okay. which means that we've offset your impact from last year. Nice. And this is a yearly certification. So yeah. next year we would calculate your 2022 impact, and then that would be Compare able it with, to certify yeah, yeah, yeah. you. And so the idea is that you know in our phase two, what we're doing is we're launching a platform, essentially, um, you know, a dashboard that will put all the data that we may already have about you, or if you come into our process next year, you'll just be punching the information into that dashboard. Mm -hmm. 
and then we will be essentially launching reduction modules. And so you can go in and we'll have a high level understanding of your business, but you can zero in on like your packaging. You can give us a little more information about what you're putting your products into, mm -hmm. where those packaging products are, are coming, coming from. from. Yeah. Exactly. Are you using stickers? Are you using shrink wrap? Are you using printed cans? How and far away are they coming from? Who are exactly. you going through? And then sure. we can show you what the impact is of those decisions. But we'll also show you options to reduce that impact. And with that module, you'll see the upfront cost to change something about your packaging. And then depending on what module you're in, if there is a break even or a return from a financial perspective, we'll show you approximately where that happens. And then alongside of it, you'll see the exact environmental reduction of your greenhouse gases by making this change. Hmm. So it's all about giving people every tool possible. Information. Every opportunity to Re make a change and what it's going to mean for their business. It's boiling down their understanding of what they're doing. Exactly. It really is. And, mm -hmm. and for those people that don't have an understanding or it is almost daunting, we'll say as, as a task to try to wrap your head around all of the things that you just said. Because if you just look at one portion of the production business or, or bar business or something along those lines, there's a lot of variables that go into where that carbon footprint comes from. Exactly. In, in having that dashboard or having that readout or being able to pick and choose, uh, there could be cost-saving measures. There could be ways to get things shipped uh, more locally or you know, buying them in a different material. Or th There's a lot of solves to the problem, but if you're not educated on the problem, there's no solves. So right. you guys are giving them the tools to make better decisions about their carbon footprint. Exactly. I love it. One of our clients uh, here in the area from yeah. Black Mountain. Maybe we'll plug our clients before the call, uh, before the <laughs> podcast is over. Rather. Yeah. Well, I want them. To, uh, first of all, before you go on, well, let me hit you with this. Okay. You can't manage what you haven't measured. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. That's why I never measure my weight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't manage it. I just figured I, that scale's broke. Um, that being said, before we go on, how can people find you when it's released? Where do they go to find Climate Hound? Right. Uh, so you can find our website at climatehound.io. Okay. You can also find us on Instagram at Climate Hound. And uh, you can go to Linktree slash Climate Hound to find a list of all of the things. All, of, find, the, all of the things. You can find a one pager, <laughs> you know, a little PDF on yeah. what we're doing, what the, you know, time commitment is to get started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, link into our blogs and some of our articles. And, and yeah, so those three places right now, that's about, that's about where we're at. Well, and that's, that's a great place to start. Finding yeah. the website is easy enough. And getting there and, and, and learning about what y'all are doing is, is interesting. So let's, let's talk about uh, one of your clients sure. that you've had. You can name drop, it doesn't matter, uh, <laughs> and, and how you've helped them out. Yeah, so again, we're in phase one right now. So what we've done uh, for, for instance, Oak and Gris out in Black Mountain. They are a grain to glass, primarily single malt distillery. They also make an awesome gin that they use their malt liquor for at the base. So well, it's, it's, it's almost like a Geneva. It's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, it's, but it's, I think they le they technically can't call it that. They can't yet. Yeah. It's something they looked into a while back, but yeah. It's, it, it's, it's one like of a the, certification and yeah, like it, Dutch it, certification. Yeah, it's a Dutch certification. It's really interesting because they're, I, from what I know, I drink for the students. I don't drink for me. It's for the children. Of course. And so I've tried a lot of gins because I want to do that for the kids. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're the only single malt gin that's being made right now 
with their own base material. A lot of people are buying grain neutral spirits and for the most part, that's probably corn or something else. But uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic gin. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And they have their roots in Speyside Scotch Whiskey. Yes. So they are, if I'm not mistaken, they are the only people in the States that meet all of the uh, de- determinations for a Speyside Scotch Whiskey, except that they're not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. They're not. I, I don't necessarily know the amount of peated malt they're using. So I don't think they're using peated malt as such. They're using uh, lo- a lot of locally grown stuff, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all their well, grains coming from under 500 miles yeah. from the distillery. So that's probably not peated, so it wouldn't fall under scotch. But it's first of all, it's fantastic. I don't know if you drink whiskey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've... It's for the kids. It's, it's pretty... <laughs> you're now... You've been in the food and beverage industry long enough, and you were a mixologist. You didn't do it for you. you now I drink for, for the climate. Thank you. It's for the children. <laughs> You're drinking for the kids. And so it's interesting to see a great, great company. Yeah. Uh, what, one of their uh, distillers is a graduate of our program. Is it William Goldberg? Charles Stanley. Okay. I don't know if you met Charles. I don't know if I met him. Yeah. Uh, William Goldberg has a sustainable agriculture degree. Yeah. And so when we started talking to them about this, it just really clicked. And it was very exciting to see, like when we did their calculations, some of the choices that they've made and how it impacts their business. They are using solar energy on their roof and their solar, the amount of solar energy that they are able to capture and the amount of energy that they have to pull from the grid. The grid. So that's their scope two emo- emissions yep. uh, is a net negative. So wow, they are actually them. reducing their impact by using that solar energy. Wow. That's and that awesome. Was really awesome to be able to quantify. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and it's like they knew they were doing it for the right reason, and now they have numbers to prove it. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. That'll help them sleep at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're also working with uh, Adirine Distilling Company. Fantastic kids. Yeah. Awesome people. Yeah. No wonder why you drank all that tomorrow. I was getting my hands dirty right before I got here. <laughs> nice. I called up Rhett, and uh, I was just like, you know, asked if there was anything I could come help with, and I got to put some of their rye whiskey in bottles and stick a couple labels on there. Nice. And, you know, learn a little bit more about that behind-the-scenes part of the process. Yeah. But uh, but again, you know, a lot of what they do is locally foraged Amaro, you know, Appalachian Amaro. They're yes. taking the yeah, terroir good. of these mountains and putting it into a bottle. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, even with their gin. You it's know? so good. And now that rye whiskey, I mean, I'm really excited about what they're doing there. I can't wait to have some of their rye whiskey. I let you down because I had it in the car and it's not there anymore. Well, you probably shouldn't have an open bottle in your car. It wasn't opened yet. I have drank Let's a few of those. Let's be honest. <laughs> You're drinking for your clients. I'm drinking for the climate. Drinking for the climate. That should be on a shirt. We almost called the certification drink for the climate, but then it got a little convoluted and we were thinking about the other industries that we're serving. So drink for the climate as a t-shirt, I think that might happen. Drink and eat for the climate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Dine I mean, for just the climate, Drink responsibly. Maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Anyway, speaking of drinking, this is the segment on the show called Booze Clues. Uh, you said that you were a fan of, of all things... Uh, in the industry. It's interesting that you you'd mentioned whiskeys and some other things. So I tried to throw you a bit of a curveball. And so in your glass, we poured you uh, a bit of something unique out of uh, Colorado. It is a, uh, it's kind of, if whiskey and rum had a baby. Okay. It is a uh, Colorado beet sugar that has been fermented and distilled. And then they finish it in a bourbon barrel, a used bourbon cast, like single use bourbon cast. So it's, uh, it is, uh, I would say that it is, you know, kind of golden in color uh, around this glass. It's It's got some beautiful uh, legs. There's a little bit of viscosity to it. It is at, uh, 
um, 45%, no, 40%, excuse me, 80 proof. And so um, I'd be curious to see what you smell and taste in it. At just being in the industry long enough. The smell almost takes me into the brandy realm. It, I get a little like apple, mm-hmm. I, uh, green apple, and then a little bit of baked apple, almost yeah. like a, yeah. Kind of taking me towards like Calvados maybe. A little but, bit. Uh, maybe even, uh, have you have you drank a Mar before? Oh, yeah. It's French French grappa is what I understand, or French moonshine almost. They yeah. use the... It, it, it's more, yeah. Something like that, you it's correct for, It was for the serfs. <laughs> <laughs> it was what they were, you know poor people could make. And so I'm getting, uh, it's just, a, you know, that, that smell would be coming from the byproduct of the yeast metabolism because the sugar wouldn't have anything in there and they uh, might be a little bit from the barrel, but. I was really impressed. <clears throat> I mean, there's a little vanilla in there. I, I was really impressed how clean it was. Wow, yeah. It, and it's light. It is. It's almost uh, refreshing. It's very layered. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. It really and so starts you get, and finishes very differently. You get, you know, three or four things in, in kind of the, the waves as it hits uh, your sensory analysis in your tongue. Did you say 80 proof? Yeah, or 90? 40, 40%. Yeah. 80, yeah, okay. And, and there is a bite to it. I mean, it's not 40%, but I didn't, I don't get any... I didn't get much heat until it was like in my belly, you know? It, it, it is, there's a warming sensation in your belly, but there wasn't a burn like down your esophagus, which I, I wouldn't, uh, yeah. So I, interesting product. It's from uh, Stoneyard. A student actually brought this by uh, because this entire uh, program is about me getting free booze, and here's a perfect example of it. So, uh, <laughs> that being said, um, what can uh, I, I would love to take you through the facility here and see what we can do better and and be more responsible with. But uh, is it going to be a yearly service? Is it a uh, how, are, how are you going to make money? It's a yearly service. The core of our business, what we really are going to lean into, again, this is phase two because we really need the scalability of an application and that's still being developed. Um, but the core of our business is reduction strategies. You know, um, There's a number of different climate companies out there that would be willing to certify a food and beverage company, but they are not focused on food and beverage companies. So you have these climate companies out there and I mean, they're still helping fix the problem, sure. But- if you don't have an understanding of someone's industry, then how are you going to help them change their business practices? How are you going to help them look for these reductions? Intimate knowledge of this particular industry, you're going to be able to talk to the people in the language they understand. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to the fact that food and beverage businesses cannot be carbonless, carbon offsets have to be a part of the solution. And that is every time somebody buys a carbon offset, that is a dollar going towards climate action that would not have otherwise been there. Mm-hmm. But the best thing for the planet is to look for places to reduce before the impact happens. And so that's why we believe that what we're doing makes a lot of sense because we are zeroing in on a space that we have domain expertise and we are really just going to be the people for the food and beverage industry. How many people are in your team right now? Uh, so right now we have four people. Excellent. Uh, five, five people now. Five people that are actively working and, on it. Four and, advisors. And Asheville will be the pilot? Well, three of our six uh, core clients. I, I can't talk about quite all of them. We no, talked no, no, about I, two of them. Yeah, but, we don't have to But our launch partners, uh, okay. half of them are here in Asheville. Um, we may end up launching with a little more than half. Okay. Over half of my team is also here in Asheville. Okay. Um, I have since relocated to Austin. And so I'm in Austin, Texas now. Okay. Um, I have one of my guys uh, is out in Portland, Oregon. And yeah, he like bastions of craft beverage right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he also spends uh, some of his time working for REI, helping them with a project that is essentially a used gear platform. REI is now trying to get used gear back in the hands of people. I don't know a whole lot about it, but oh, yeah, uh, re- re- reuse it. Yeah, we have essentially an incredible product guy. Um, we have an incredible writer with a master's in fine arts from Cornell. Um, we have an incredible finance person that's also worked in some some manufacturing spaces that had early climate goals. Smart. Um, and then we have a, a really incredible strategic business uh, guy. Who it sounds like you just, have a great team. It's, it's really coming together. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys to launch. And I'm excited to uh, take you on a tour. Palmer, I can't thank you enough for uh i i dropped this on you you came in you're like all right i'll, I'll do a podcast <laughs> about five minutes ago, yeah no five minutes before like, the <laughs> hey puff i was like all right let's go do a podcast and you're like i i wasn't okay no you nailed it bud i appreciate you having no me. this isn't yeah, your debut on a microphone let's be honest you've done <laughs> yeah. this before this takes a little bit of pressure off of uh the next time i do it though when there might be a camera on me too well you know? true yeah true. this is uh this throws me back to my college days at wknc oh, in wow. raleigh yeah could still probably do those call letters but i'm not going to do that right oh, now you probably slept they were in your brain for so long <laughs> yeah we had all the recordings but i felt like that was one of the most fun parts was using my voice to do the call letters just like you know, a little different every time. No, I get it. Yeah. No, I, and that's, so this whole thing came about, um, me, for me, just another excuse to drink at work. <laughs> Fair enough. It, and it's, it's worked out really well. So <laughs> I can't thank you enough, Palmer. How could people once again, find Climate Hound? Tell them right now. Yeah. So you can go to climatehound.io to find us online. Uh, you can, if you reach out, you're going to probably go directly to me and I will be reaching right back out to you. Uh, you can also find us at uh, Linktree slash Climate Hound to get a little bit of all of our information. You can find my contact information there. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at, at Climate Hound. And we just launched that. So the Insta for yeah, all you kids out there. there. Um, thanks again. And thanks to Danny McConnell from McConnell Farms for sponsoring this podcast. Taste the way you remember. Thanks, Danny, for all the things you've donated and done over the past now 10 years of the program uh thanks again to all the listeners once again this was puff with consuming the craft podcast cheers everybody cheers